You're listening to Little Green Cheese, episode 53. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Gavin Weber, and this podcast is where you can learn about cheese making at home. Since I last recorded an episode, I've made quite a few cheeses, and uh, if you pop over to cheeseman.tv, which takes you to my YouTube channel, you'll see that I have swags of new videos. I'm trying to release one per week. Um, some of the uh, good cheeses that I've made lately have been English Coulommiers, which is another name for English farmhouse cheese. And it's uh, made using a camembert mould. It's a white cheese. It's a soft cheese, and you can eat it within about two days. Very, very tasty. It's spreadable, so very nice and uh, very easy to make. I've also made, uh, in that period, a forme d'ambert, which is a, a French cow's milk cheese, style cheese, and it's a blue cheese. Now, I haven't tasted it yet, so I can't attest to whether it has worked or not, but it looks pretty darn good. Um, it has a good mould coating all over it, blue and a bit of white as well. And uh, we're going to crack that open next week and uh, post a video on how the Forme d'Ambert compares to other blue cheeses like the Stilton and maybe the Petite Blue that I've made before. I've also posted a couple of how-to sorts of videos. So I've got a cheddar cheese that I cloth banded not so long ago, um, and I'm doing a monthly update on that to see what sort of moulds grow on the on the cloth to keep everybody up to date. And I've also released a, a video around heating your milk for cheese making. So a lot of people have asked me questions around how do I control the temperature of the milk during the cheese making process. So I thought I'd make something there. So one last cheese that I've made is Tilsit. Now Tilsit is a washed rind cheese and it uses Brevibacterium linens, which is a, a red bacteria that grows on the outside of the cheese. It's going to be very interesting. So it's going to, I'm going to, well, you can, you can ripen it from two to six months. I'm going to let it age only for the two months because um, I want to see what it tastes like. I don't particularly like really strong cheeses other than some strong blues. So never having really eaten a uh, a red-moulded cheese before, uh, I'm going to take it uh, one step at a time. Now, if that's successful, I've got quite a few requests to make cheeses such as uh, Munster, Brick, Limburger, um, to name a few. And there's uh, I've got quite a few. Uh, and Reblochon, I think, is another one. You can um, That's how you pronounce it. Um, and we'll go from there. Anyway, so that's uh, the cheese-making adventures that I've been up to, um, and you can check those all out at cheeseman.tv. Now, we have a listener question this week, and this one's from John from Denmark. Hello, Gavin. John from Denmark. I have a question regarding cheese wax and the paraffin, paraffin you can also use. What is the difference and is paraffin as good as cheese wax? The cheese wax is much more expensive. And anyway, here in Denmark, the paraffin is only fifth of the price. So can I use that instead of cheese wax? I would like to learn a bit about it. 
uh, I wish you uh, a good weekend. And thank you very much for some very nice video tutorials about making cheese. Please continue. Thank you very much. Bye-bye for now. Well, thanks very much, John. Appreciate your question, mate. Um, all the way from Denmark. Now, there are a couple of uh, waxes you can use for cheese wax, and unfortunately paraffin is not one of them. Uh, paraffin is far too brittle, and when you try and peel it off of the cheese, it leaves bits of wax in the cheese. Also, it has a higher melting temperature than what cheese wax does. Now, cheese wax is made from a little bit of paraffin, but also some microcrystalline wax. And, uh, and sometimes a little bit of beeswax mixed in with that as well. And it makes cheese wax very pliable, so very malleable, easy to, um, to brush on when it's melted and it has a low melting temperature. It melts at something like 50 degrees Celsius, um, which is, I don't know in Fahrenheit, <laughs> but uh, 50 degrees Celsius. And you only really need to bring the temperature up to about 90 degrees Celsius, which is about 200 Fahrenheit to kill off any of the bacteria and stuff when you, if you've got them on your cheese and you then dip it into the cheese wax. You also can use cheese wax over and over and over again. Well, I'm still using the same cheese wax I bought back in 2009. So it certainly is economical, um, given that you mentioned that the price of paraffin was um, a fifth of the price of what you pay for for cheese wax. But remembering that every time you use your cheese wax, you can remelt that again in the same, in your in your melting pot um, and use it, as I said, over and over and over again. I've I can't even remember, probably 10, 15, maybe 20 times I've reused the same block of cheese wax um, for my cheeses. So don't worry too much about the expense of it. Worry more that uh, you've got the right type of wax that is pliable and malleable and can be used over and over again. If you can get your hands on some cheap beeswax, then that's just as good. The only drawback is that it is quite expensive uh, and you do need about a kilo of uh, of the wax to coat oh, probably four or five cheeses. Now, I normally put two to three layers on each of my cheeses just to make sure that I've got a good seal and they don't break, uh, sorry, that uh, bacteria and stuff doesn't get in under the wax. So, John, hopefully that has answered your question. And uh, thanks for calling in all the way from Denmark. Well, we've got quite a few email questions this week, so let me bring up the email and we'll start up. So this one's from Sue Fenton. Now, Sue is from somewhere in Australia. Uh, she says, just listening to the podcast with Rochelle, I have followed her for a couple of years now and like her. We got our own A2 Jersey cow when we started. We knew nothing about dairy cows except wanting to make cheese. I am definitely a curd nerd. We have come a long way and now with expert help, we now run a house cow workshop. When we started, we knew nothing about owning a dairy cow. We had many ups and downs and realised there was an opening to educate people interested in owning a house cow. We have them twice a year now and made many friends through our common interest. Thank you for the podcast, Sue. 
So thank you, Sue, for your email. Now, if anybody wants to get in contact with Sue, they can go to the website, appinhomestaybb.com.au. Now, I will put that in the show notes, but once again, it's appinhomestaybb.com.au, and uh, then you can book something with Sue. So the next question is from Chuck. And Chuck says, what different cheeses can be made with Flora Danica? Now, Flora Danica, thanks Chuck for your email. Flora Danica is a type of culture that is um, is commonly known as aromatic mesophilic culture. Now, aromatic mesophilic culture has four different strains of bacteria, lactic bacteria, and it does, it, it has uh, a few properties. It has the normal mesophilic culture, which has two normal strains. Um, and it has two additional strains, one which makes the flavour taste buttery and the other one that gives off gas and gives off a pleasant aroma. Now, I make uh, cheeses with um, some Floridanica and they are mainly soft cheeses. So soft cheeses like Camembert, Brie, um, the English uh, Coulomers that I mentioned at the start of the show, I uh, put a bit of uh, Floridanica or... Uh, aromatic mesophilic into that cheese uh, and I've also used it in my queso fresco so the the plain ch- queso fresco and the chili queso fresco so hopefully Chuck that's answered your question so anywhere where it says use floridanica um, then sorry use an aromatic mesophilic culture then uh, use floridanica well the next question is from Louise and Louise is from New Zealand and she said hi Gavin I have two parmesans aging I only air dried them for about a week then waxed after about two months I now see little spots of mold can I take the wax off dry it for another two weeks or so and re-wax thanks for your question firstly Louise but yes you can you can take the wax off give it a, a good wipe over with a brine and vinegar solution. Uh, so that's a tablespoon of of uh, cheese salt in a one cup of water. Uh, give that a good mix and then put a tablespoon of vinegar with that solution. And that will, uh, and then wipe that all over with a soft cloth over your two cheeses uh, and that'll get rid of any bacteria. You may have to give it a bit of a rub, a bit of a scrub. That's okay as long as you get any of the black mould off and any unwanted blues and maybe white moulds. Then you can let it air dry. I'd only let it air dry for about a day and uh, just to make sure that it's touch dry and then put on the uh, uh, the cheese wax, so re-wax it. Now you can use um, EVA, which is a another coating that some um, cheesemakers use. It's a plastic coating that is food safe, you put that on the cheese first and then you can wax the cheese. That actually has an antibacterial agent in it as well. I'm not sure if you can get your hands on that over in New Zealand. But yeah, EVA is another product that you can put onto your cheese. I don't use it personally because I make sure that I put uh, two to three layers of wax onto the cheese and uh, I don't have any troubles with mould. But like I said um, before, if you do have mould underneath the wax and you can see it, then if you can see it, then uh, you're either using a natural wax that is uh, transparent or you haven't put enough layers of wax on the cheese to start with. Anyway, thank you, Louise, for your question. 
The next question is from Kerry. Now, Kerry has said, Hi, Gavin. Have been asked to make some camel cheese. It's only got 2% fat. Do you think I am best to mix it with cow's milk? Also, all the literature I have read says it's hard to form a good curd. Any ideas? It's such a good opportunity. It's very expensive. Thanks, Kerry. Well, hi, Kerry. The main sort of milk, uh, sorry, the main sort of cheese that is made from camel's uh, cheese, this is just from what I've read. Um, I'm not an expert in camel cheese, and it's like a yogurt cheese. Um, basically, you curdle the milk. It does curdle. Uh, there are it, it is pretty hard to form a solid curd um, from what I've read, but uh, a lot of um, soft cheeses like Labner, which is a a yogurt cheese that's just sunk, uh, hung in a uh, in a cheesecloth or a tea towel or what have you, and drains all the curd out. Uh, sorry, all the drains all the whey out. So that's the sort of cheese that you have no problems making. If you do mix it with cow's milk, then yeah, obviously you're going to get a fairly good curd set. And from what I've read, there is a lot of different nutrients in camel's milk than there are cow's milk. So give it a go. Let me know how it ha- how it uh, pans out. Um, and I'll read it out on the uh, the next episode. So thanks for your email, Kerry. Okay, and one last email. This one's from Dean. And Dean is from the UK, I believe. Okay, he says, thanks, Gavin. He bought one of my um, e-books, Keep Calm and Make Cheese. Had a look at your book and it's fantastic. I have been a chef for 40 years and started making cheese about five years ago. I have advanced a little since then and I come up with a unique cheese you might find interested in making. I'd like to push the boundaries and experiment anyway. The cheese I have sort of invented, if you like it, I call it Cheddarano. It's a fusion of cheddar and Romano. I like the name. Well done, Dean. I have made, I make two separate batches of cheese at the same time following a cheddar recipe and a Romano recipe, so one is with thermophilic culture and the other mesophilic, then milled both sets of curd together, uh, well mixed, and then aged for six months. Um, In brackets, I have aged some for 18 months old. The flavour is incredible, a really stunning cheese with lots of deep, mature flavour. It cuts perfectly, great to eat on its own, or slithers over pasta, etc., um, Dean goes on to say, you have a true passion for cheese like myself, and thank you for the great video tutorials. Kind regards, Dean. Well, there you go, folks. Dean has come up with a very unique um, cheese called Cheddarano. Um, I dare you to give it a go, and I think when I get down my list of cheese, I've got about seven cheeses on my list that people have requested um, to make videos out of, I think I'll give Cheddarano a go. I certainly have the equipment and the time to um, to to have a go and and see what it turns out like. Sounds like it's one fantastic cheese. Well, just a short episode this week. Thank you everybody for your emails and uh, voicemails. Um, don't forget that you can pop over to littlegreencheese.com, leave a voicemail on the page, and uh, I will answer your question on air or. Uh, via the podcast. It's not live, of course. And don't forget that, yeah, I do read everybody's emails, but sometimes I can't get to them. I do get a lot of them. 
Um, and I also do get a lot of comments on YouTube, which I try and get to. Some of them aren't questions. Some of them are just things. YouTube's a bit funny like that sometimes. But, uh, yeah, I try and answer everybody's emails or at least um, read them on air, <laughs> sorry, on the show for for everybody to uh, to learn and listen. Now, this podcast is free for a reason. I don't have any sponsors on it. Um, that's because um, I run our own cheese business. So not only we do we teach cheese making courses here in um, in Melton West where we live, uh, and many people from all over Victoria and indeed all over Australia have come to learn how to make cheese with me, Gavin. We also do sell um, supplies, ingredients, and kits, and so on and so forth for cheese making, and not only cheese making but soap making and candle making. But that's not the topic of this podcast. So if anybody's interested, don't forget that you can pop over to littlegreenworkshops.com.au and check that out. Also, for my creative work on, on YouTube, it's certainly not cheap to buy all the expensive equipment and to host this podcast as well. So if you have as little as a dollar to spare, don't forget that you can support this show and the YouTube channel, cheeseman.tv. All you have to do is go over to littlegreencheese.com slash support and you'll be whisked away to my Patreon page where you can pledge as much as you um, care to pledge per month. That will certainly help the show to keep running and certainly to help me um, purchase milk and (laughs) cultures and all that sort of stuff to make new cheeses every single week and post a new video at least once every week. Oh, I think it's time for the end of the show. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. You've been listening to the Little Green Cheese Podcast. For workshop dates, pop over to littlegreenworkshops.com.au to check out my ebook. pop over to littlegreencheese.com and you can see that it's available on the site as a PDF or on Amazon and Apple iBook Store for everybody to download and read. Thanks for listening, Curd Nerds, and stay tuned for the next exciting episode of Little Green Cheese Podcast. See ya. During the show, you heard royalty-free music by Kevin MacLeod. I played Malt Shop Bop and Call to the Dairy Cows. <laughs>